Check one, two. How you doing, Aaron? Yeah, I want to talk. I want to talk about the Houston Texans uh, social media schedule uh, uh, announcement, which they didn't even try. It's majestically mediocre. I was apparently muted. Am I muted now? Hopefully I am not muted now. Let's try this again from the start. Hello and welcome to the Football Outsiders Radio Hour. Not on the radio and not always an hour. But here on Twitch every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, as soon as we learn how to work all the technical stuff, and I should not be muted now. So, um, so yeah, Rivers is hopefully joining us soon. We'll talk about the Houston Texans debacle. We'll talk about some of the content on uh, FO over the last few days, aggressiveness in text and adjusted interceptions. But first of all, yesterday was schedule release day. Oh, schedule release day. Oh, schedule release day. Now the games are in order. <laughs> They've made it into such a, you know, made for TV. event. It was ridiculous yesterday because not only is there now the made for TV event at eight, but they did the whole, we're going to release week one in the morning. And then all mm -hmm. day long, you had these leaks. Like, yes. oh, this game is week four. Oh, this game is week eight. This game is week 10. And um, just release the damn schedule already. But uh, now we have it. And even though we knew already which teams were going to play which teams, now we know when they're going to play, which means that your average fan can go through and do the WL thing. You know, the thing where you go through the <laughs> schedule and go, this is a win. This is a loss. Yes. Because and every team, every team used to go ten and six. Now every team, I guess, goes ten and seven. Every game they... is binary. It's you're <laughs> going to either win it or lose it. And uh, we don't, of course, do that at Football Outsiders. But um, what what were your first takes on the schedule when schedule the big schedule release came down? Well, there are a couple things. First of all, the hoopla is ridiculous. Somebody tweeted something. I I did a live blog in 2010 for the New York Times about the schedule release. So you know, well over a decade of this ridiculousness. But uh, you know, I, on the one hand, it's like this is ridiculous. On the other hand, I know I've got I've got friends, I've got comrade, uh, you know, uh, uh, like uh, guys I hang out with at the bar who look at that and they plan their trap. Like they plan, we're going to go to Vegas for this game, or we're going to go here for this game, et cetera. Remember last year we couldn't do that. Last year, we were looking at the schedule release show and we're like, uh, you know, this probably isn't even going to happen. Oh, you know, we'll even be able to buy tickets. So I, I, I'm excited that so many people can be excited. And, and I might be looking at this thing very soon saying, OK, when am I going to go maybe cover a game in, in this town, that town, go up to New York, whatever. The other thing is, you know, when I watch the show, I will say I'll, get, I'll give the NFL credit. They knew the NFL Network credit. They knew that no everyone tuning in had already seen 90 percent of the schedule. The schedule release show. And yes, I watched it was a lot of guests like Levante David, et cetera, talking about the schedule. So it was really just a talk show where they got a lot of players in. They got some ex-coaches in. They got Joe Thomas in. So it was more of a, hey, let's have a celebration of talking were about the NFL the, here. Were you watching the NFL Network show or the ESPN yes. show? Because there were different shows on different networks. I did not know ESPN had a show. I know FS1 was simulcasting. Uh, you know, Fox was simulcasting the, the NFL, NFL Network Networks. show because no one watches football anymore because of protests. So Fox Sports has to show a schedule show. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I started out right off the bat uh, looking at the fact that what do we have at the beginning? What's the opening? It's Buccaneers versus Buccaneers versus Cowboys. I thought it was either going to be the Cowboys or the Bills. And we yeah. went with the Cowboys, which, look, it's I think is a great choice because based on our early projections, the Cowboys are a, like the big rebound team for this year with Dak yes. Prescott back and Tyron Smith back and Zach uh, Martin. And we, we, I think the Cowboys are going to be very good this year. So uh, that looks like a really good game. It's a much better game than I think if you look at last year's records than anybody would expect. All right. Yeah. Here comes Rivers. We're making it. We're, we're making the technology work now. Uh, he's imminent. He is almost here. He is, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Rivers McCown has joined us. Another writer from Football Outsiders, our Houston expert. He's here. What's your take on, on big schedule release day? 
I was very pleased to see that the Buccaneers and Patriots would finally play to see who's better. <laughs> That's all that matters, right? I, I love that it's set up that if, if Tom Brady averages what he normally averages per game, he will break the all-time yardage record against the Patriots in week four. Wow. Wow. They well, said, I'm gonna... That's good job getting around, you know, all the use of stadiums and everything to set that drama up. That's that very good by the schedule makers. Right. That and 256, many more than 256, whatever it is, uh, uh, lesser games. I got to ask your Rivers, the Houston Texans, the social media video for their schedule release. Yes. Did you see it and how hashtag hyped are you? Now that you saw that there it was definitely a video that somebody could have put out on the internet <laughs> and, uh, it, it uh, you know there's a lot of art in the world and some of it isn't funny and that's okay i i, it, I missed it by the way you guys are going to have to explain well, to me why was it it, it was a minute you know how everybody does these things and the chargers are like hey let's turn all of our uh, opponents into pop hearts yeah uh you know or let's have babies you know holding up banners and things like that it was a one minute and 50 second montage. It seemed like it was put together by, you know, Easterby's nephew or something like that. Trying to get, was it supposed to be funny rivers? What was it supposed to be? I think it was supposed to show off this local artist and yeah, you know, they have like a little like glitter almost like they put it on a board and they throw it up and it like creates an image that's supposed to be like, it was like beat the Colts if you're playing the Colts at home or like a horseshoe if you're playing them on the road or something. And, and okay, that's, that's one way to do it. <laughs> right. It was, it was phoned in like so many Houston Texan things have been phoned. It's either a phone in or like some sort of backroom backstabbing situation. There's no in between when it comes to Houston Texans. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they, they definitely are existing right now. That's one thing you can give them. Listen, I'm, I'll give them this, right? The good news is in, in, in the schedule strength projections early on, they have an easy schedule. <laughs> they are an easy schedule. They're, you know, they're part of that for other teams, but they yeah, have right. an easy schedule. So maybe they'll go 6-11 and 11 with, you know, what? surprise wins over the Jaguars. And um, Brian, Brian Knowles, who's also a, a football outsider's writer, actually does, you know, he like picks every game, just gut instinct. He also had the Texans finishing 6-11. and 11. And I was like, that's that's way too high. Yeah, that, that's way, way too high. <laughs> I should point out, since we've got into the Houston thing, I should point out, like, none of us is expecting Deshaun Watson to be playing for the Houston Texans this year. Right. Yeah, that's, that's uh, I, I could see it happening maybe in the second half of the season if everything goes wrong for him and he has, like, no choice. But otherwise, right. yeah. yeah. Yeah, 6-11 and 11 would be a Deshaun... Uh, uh, projection, I would think, for this team. I'm trying to look to see if they're on any late games or what their prime time schedules. I'm sure they've got one Thursday they have, night. They have, they have Thursday night against Carolina in week three. Uh, oh, is, God, yes, week three. I've already circled that. Uh, yeah, and, and that that is they have two West Coast games and everything else is noon. <laughs> everything else is noon central. <laughs> one o'clock with the uh, Q uh, broadcast team for uh, CBS covering. Right. <laughs> right. We, uh, I'm looking forward to Texans Cardinals. That's I think week six or seven. Okay. That one, you get JJ Watt and DeAndre Hopkins yes. getting some revenge yes. and that'll be a solve of some sorts for a little bit. And then we'll go back <laughs> to not feeling anything. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm missing, what I was looking for is the annual two or three Thursday night AFC South matchups of glory that like we've come to those jaguars versus texans i know well, they Col don't have them this year jacksonville is playing cincinnati on a thursday night in the battle of the number one picks tennessee is playing san francisco on thursday night houston is yeah. playing carolina they didn't give us the classic houston jacksonville thursday night game that we get every right. year Right. I guess the Panthers fill in in that, so they make it even less interesting by, by putting Sam Donald in there. Right. <laughs> like, like, well, because, you know, Carson Wentz is potentially interesting, you know, and clearly the, the Titans are potentially interesting. So, yeah, here, here, here's Sam Darnold and McCaffrey should still be maybe pulled hamstring by week three. That's about where he'll be. So that'll be that. Game. 
I will point out C. Clinton 56 says in the chat that he feels for the teams with week 14 buys Philadelphia, wow. Miami, New England, and Indianapolis because 13 straight weeks is an absolute slog. I, I definitely think <laughs> that with the 18 week season, it's, it's interesting to have bye weeks that late. We haven't had bye yes. weeks that late since back in like 2001 when there were an odd number of teams and like every team had to be on by every, every week had to have at least one team on by. Right. And and what were the four teams? I know the Eagles were one Eagles, Patriots, Colts, and Dolphins. Interesting. I would have anticipated it would have been for anticipated bottom feeders, but there's obviously playoff teams, potential playoff teams in that group. Like, oh, if you're going to week 14 here, you know, we're, we're, we're stacking the schedule against you anyway. You're the Bengals, you're the Eagles. You're not you're not expected to be in the playoff chase. At this no, point. but the Colts, the Patriots, and the Dolphins, right. I think, are expected to be in the playoff right. chase. Right. That's the Boy, way they did it know. back in, like, 99 and 2000. They had the teams yep. that finished last the year before were the teams that got, like, week 16 and 17 buys. I know that Jim Ursay has been upset about the lack of – them hosting Sunday or Monday night games. I think it's like some streak where they haven't done it in like three years at this point. So he was a little pissy again last night about that. Yep. They're hosting, but it's Thursday night against the Jets. Yep. We're getting a lot of rookie quarterbacks on Thursday night. We're getting a lot of rookie quarterbacks this year in general. Think about how many quarterbacks are in their first couple years. And that same goes with Chicago, right? Chicago's Thursday game is Thanksgiving. That's week 12. We all think Justin Fields is going to be the quarterback there by week 12. Hope so. New England's Thursday night game is at Atlanta week 11. That could definitely be Mac Jones by that point. San Francisco's Thursday night game is week 16. That could Mm -hmm. definitely be Trey Lance by that point. So Thursday night is, is the rookie quarterback zone. What's interesting, I don't have it pulled up right now, is the number of times the Saints are featured on Monday night, Sunday night. I, I guarantee you there are some executives somewhere at these uh, networks that don't realize that Drew Brees retired and that they are featuring this Saints team that is likely to be out there with Taysom Hill running the Wildcat uh, in the, in these, what, what they think are, well, I guess what they think of as big storyline games. Uh, uh, I hope not. I mean, first of all, I hope that it's not Taysom Hill. I hope that they put Jameis Winston out there and try to be like a regular NFL team. Their defense should be good. So those New Orleans right. games, shouldn't they shouldn't at least be, Unfortunately, what they're going to end up being is like Chicago games, right? Where it's yes. like the defense is really good, but the offense is not. Yeah. And so you're like, why do we have to watch this all the time? Like, why is Chicago on prime time all the time? They're and New less- Orleans and Pittsburgh are going to be this year's version of that. Like, they're going to be all defense, no offense. Why are these teams constantly on prime time? Why do we have to watch these teams all the time? Last year's Patriots. I mean, that's kind of the same thing. Oh, they are these—they're veterans on defense. The defense will keep the team together. Maybe the option guy will be good at quarterback. Maybe the other guy will be good at quarterback. Whatever. It's not, and you're going to keep seeing them. And week three, that is Patriots against Saints, and that is your battle for what could have been or what was lost. And and they're going to spend that entire game probably talking about Tom Brady, Drew Brees, the Super Bowl we never got between them, et cetera. Uh, while we watch possibly two teams running the wildcat at each other. Well, we never got Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers either, so we'll get we'll get that yeah. discussion too, you know, yeah. at some point. But uh, uh-huh. I don't Packers know. Week one. I don't know whether the Packers will have Aaron Rodgers in Week One when they play the Saints. Yeah. So obviously, I came in a little late. Uh, I don't know what you guys were excited about, uh, but I will say I was excited about the uh, Chiefs opening two games, the Browns and the Ravens. I think that's a yes. really fun slate i think that immediately kind of tunes up the tension on who's going to be the front runner and chiefs ravens is always a lot of fun because you got Mahomes being uh mobile in the pocket against all these exotic blitzes and uh you you kind of get to see him at at his best yeah i'm not a big fan of the week one primetime games that they're starting with first of all again we just talked about this giving us chicago again stop giving us chicago chicago and the rams (laughs) Sunday night is Chicago and the Rams. And then Baltimore, Vegas on Monday night. Like, eh, like Baltimore, yeah, good. But Vegas, man, you know. You know, you notice there's no second Monday night, like nightcap. There's no Chargers game at 1030 at night. I miss 
<laughs> falling asleep and not being able to see it. I'm waking up first thing Tuesday morning and going on on, on uh, Game Rewind and watching it, pretending I watched it live. <laughs> a lot of the locals were very disappointed that uh, Cardinals Texans wasn't a Monday night uh, game for for the for that forgotten crowd. <laughs> no, no one wants to take their A list uh, announcers and put them in what could be the Deshaun Watson grinder where they have to talk about this situation what's worse is that it goes to the g-list people yep you know at least you know buck and al michaels and them it's like oh we've been doing this for decades we know we know how to sort of work around these things but yeah that, that spares me from having to hear you know whoever i'm not going to call it any particular announcer waxing philosophical about the deshaun watson situation based on no information which is what i'm trying to do right now but i don't necessarily want to hear it on monday night <laughs> football in week six or whatever and probably Houston's record is going to be bad enough that that is going to be the discussion. It's not going to be about what Houston is doing. It's going to be right. about what happened with Deshaun Watson this year. Right. Right. Well, I mean, listen, they signed a lot of free agents and this is David Johnson and Mark Ingram's year. Okay. So you're just going to have to get used to it. I'll give, <laughs> I'll give them that when we did the biggest holes article for ESPN that ran today on ESPN plus it was kind of hard to find a hole for the Texans because they signed so many kind of mediocre free agents that there's nowhere where you like, well, this position sucks. Like there's right. a lot of positions that are like, well, this is mediocre, but it's not that bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as the writer for that one, I definitely empathize with, with those thoughts. And, and the other thing about that is you guys were talking last week about their draft, about the trade up. Mm -hmm. uh, for Nico Collins specifically, um, they ended that draft with 87 of 90 uh, roster spots filled, and they only signed four undrafted free agents. <laughs> <laughs> so it almost became a thing where they were trading up to get rid of the picks because they couldn't use them anyway. <laughs> because they wanted a bunch of mediocre veterans, I guess. Because you've, you've got to sign Ty Davis, you've got to sign Christian Kirksey, you've got to sign Ooh. Vincent Taylor. Yeah. These are all useful players, but no. you don't want them starting for you. You don't want, and you don't need 15 of them at one position. I, I don't want to see Christian Kirksey anymore. <laughs> I well, don't I've, see got, I've got bad news for you. I will always remember Christian Kirksey as the mini guy from Madden. The year that Madden had a bug yes. in it that made Christian Kirksey appear six yep. inches tall in Madden Ultimate mm -hmm. Team. That, like, he will always be that guy for me forever. He was that guy last year for the Packers. He was definitely the <laughs> six-inch-tall mini guy for the Packers last year. It was brutal. And I, if Packers fans are listening, I know that he was sort of like uh, the, the guy you would go after, but it was Ben. Mike Pettin might have been something to do with that as well. But let me ask you this, Rivers. What's the – and please give me a straight answer if you can. I know it's yeah. hard. The strength of the Houston Texans roster now, is there one? What is it? Uh, offensive line, I guess. At this point, you got Laramie Tunsil. Titus Howard has kind of grown at right tackle. He's still a little inconsistent. Um, Marcus Cannon probably going to push inside to the guard. Right. Uh, Max Sharpen coming back. I don't know what they're going to do at center yet. It seems like they have like 30 different plans. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all contingent on if Cannon is starting at right tackle or Howard moves inside or Howard starts at right tackle or whatever. But that's supposed to be their strength right now. It sounds okay. Yeah, it sounds like a, something that you could put in front of uh, Deshaun Watson. You have a good team, but I guess that can't happen. <laughs> I was just doing. I was writing some things for Football Outsiders Almanac, and I was writing about the Bengals' offensive line. So you could, yeah, name, yeah. You could have named. You could have said Bobby Hart five times. I've been like, yeah, that 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 sounds reasonable. There's like there's like a Michael Jordan. There's a <laughs> Billy Price. There you go. Oh my God, Michael Jordan. But anyway, we're going to get sidetracked when I start talking about the thing. Sidetracked is fine. Yeah. I went fine. to Twitch camp yesterday afternoon talking about like the best way to do Twitch streams, and they were talking about being sidetracked is totally fine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, well, let me this tell is you the place for Michael every Michael Jordan rant you've ever had. Yeah. We're not talking about Michael B. Jordan. We're talking like Michael D. Minus Jordan here, and he plays guard for the Cincinnati Bengals. He was a heck of a player at Ohio State, as was Billy Price. I think the Bengals might need to send a scout out of state once in a while. <laughs> it, it was it was brutal. It was brutal film. I, I hate calling the guy out, but the last time I saw film that brutal 
was when Bobby Hart was with the Giants, and he wound up on the same offensive line. How did Jonah Williams look if you were watching the Bengals? Because he's, you know, he finally, he missed the first year. He played last year. He's supposed to have a lot of promise, first-round pick. He was fine. He was he was in and out with injuries. So late in the season, I I didn't, I I wasn't watching, I wasn't watching the the tape late in the year, and I'm going to have to go look at uh, Ryan Finley and the other guy playing. But you know, generally, there's a Texan for you. Yeah, he's part of the Houston Texans quarterback uh, battle. Oh my God, that's where he ended up. Yep. Yep. Traded traded for a pick swap. (laughs) Goodness gracious! Now, I mean, your problem is guys could run right up the middle. That all the Ohio State guys, they, they just they aren't good. They're not good ball players, I'm afraid, in, in the NFL level. Um, you could any blitz was like sorcery. And I think, I mean, okay, so Joe Barrow's a rookie, so the blitzes are sorcery. Um, they were running empty backfield constantly in Cincinnati. So uh what's the it's it's Press Taylor's brother, uh Zach Taylor, uh, you know, bargain basement, McVeigh wannabe, third stringer. Goes out there, sees he has a horrendous line on a rookie quarterback. Said, Let's go empty. Let's go empty a lot. So in addition to like a lot of terrible offensive line play, you know, you bring somebody wide nine off the edge. There's no tight end to block. There's no running back to block him. It's, you know, five-man protection scheme, et cetera. So you have a quarterback throwing off of his back foot into, into traffic open. Which gets you and into then, the how are they going to get the ball way downfield to Jamar Chase problem. Right. They didn't, they didn't solve the problem. They're like, I'm trying to write about this. Okay, they got Riley Rife which is like a step up from Bobby Hart. That's true. Okay. So that's one. They needed to fix their entire interior offensive line. They did not bother with this. So it's not like they said, oh, I'm going to pass on Penny soon. We're going to pass on him because uh, we're going to take Chase. And then we're going to go. And they did get Jackson, Cameron, Cameron Jackson, whether in the second round. It's another another guard. Another. Oh, he's too slow for left tackle, so we'll make him a guard rather than just drafting a guard. Um, <laughs> and it's the rest of the usual suspects in there. There were like 500 centers in this draft. They did not get any of them. They're going to run out there with Price and the other guy again, uh, Hopkins. Um, and it's, it's it's not going to be good, and it's going to be potentially dangerous again for Burrow. And it will be a lot of what we saw last year, which was empty backfield, and they're not getting the ball downfield to Chase. He's running the hitch because the ball has to be out of, out of Burrow or whoever's hand in 0.037 seconds. One thing I think about a lot when we talk about the Bengals now is Charles McDonald, who is with USA Today, I think, yes. now for the win. Uh like towards the end of last season, he pointed this out. He was like, if somebody asked you to pick Zach Taylor out of a lineup of seven people, would you know who he is? <laughs> I, I just called him Press Taylor's brother. So the quarterback coach for the Eagles, I know who that is. That's the brother. Can you name the defensive coordinator? I have no idea who the defensive coordinator is. I have no idea what it's Zach Lou. Taylor looks like. It's Lou. It's Lou, Captain Lou. Lou, Lou something. Yeah. Something. I, I know that only because I wrote their chapter last year. <laughs> and it's not Albano, but it's close enough. I, I, his name will not stick in my brain. I do this professionally for a living. And that coach's name. So, and, and of course, it's like, well, who's their front office? Well, it's, it's Duke Tobin. And who else? It's Duke Tobin. Everything about this, this team has got anonymity. Lou Anaramo, by the way. Um, Anaramo. Captain Lou Anaramo. Everything about this team has sort of anonymity, and it's like it's like the you know the Boston market that's still next to the interstate. Uh, even though the company went out of business ten years ago, there's still a Boston market there. Somehow there's still chicken there. Somehow there's still a, uh, uh, you know mashed potatoes and mac and cheese there. And no one knows how, but that's who the Bengals are at this point. It's like the franchise goes on because they're one of thirty-two. Uh, well, you see, I can't I can't really hate on the Bengals because they beat the Texans in week 16 last year, and Brandon Allen threw for 370 yards against the Texans. Brandon Allen. Yes, Brandon yes. Allen. Yes. Uh, CO the legend says, I'm going to hope for the best for all Bengals fans, but I feel like we've seen this mistake before in which a team prioritizes receivers over the offensive line. Remember the Joey Harrington Lions. Every year for three years, drafting a wide receiver. Right, and talented wide receivers. There's no question. Like, the guys they took, certainly everybody liked at the top. Right, like Mike Williams didn't turn out to be a thing, but everybody loved Mike Williams when Detroit drafted him. No one thought that was a wasted pick or anything. But Right. I think that was one of the dudes, because Rodgers was another one, and he was 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 really talented. He was a heck of a player for a couple of years. He was uh, 03, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He was was picked number two, and Andre Johnson was number three. I remember that from that draft. Right. But, uh, and, and, and yeah, that's an absolutely good point. That's the, the Harrington Jets to the other teams that did that too. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. 
if you if you plan to pass on uh, Sewell, and by, by March they should have been looking at it like, oh, the 49ers are tra- have traded up. It's going to be quarterback, 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 whatever the hell the Falcons do with us. There's a really good chance we're going to be sitting there with Panay on the board and the wide receiver or pits of our choice. What are we going to do? The moment they said we're not going to take Panay for reason X, Y, Z, they should have been, what are we doing on this offensive line? Are we going to go out and get more veterans? Are we going to go out in the second round, get a, a center, in the third round, get a tackle, in the fifth round, get a guard? They did draft two guys. Both of them are projects. That's what they do. And and they did none of that. And that's kind of part and parcel with how this team operates, where they, yeah, let's, let's you know, let's go get a receiver. Let's let's go sign a cornerback. Let's go get Chidi Awuzie and get rid of William Jackson. It's like this. It's almost like the random Madden uh, AI uh, personnel change. That's how that's how they do business. Yeah, I was. Uh, I would say that it's easier today than it once was to do. You know, to kind of short the offensive line. But at the same time, if you get too into that strategy, you just wind up in the Super Bowl with like. Nick Allegrotti trying to block three people, and that doesn't work either. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Kansas City sure took the exact opposite tack this offseason. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they were like, this is our weakness. We are doing everything. But we're going to throw as many players as possible at this weakness. Like, guys are not are – not, they have way too many guys for starting jobs, but they're like, we are prepped for injury. We are ready. And, and you can say, well, of course, since they were defending champs two years ago, defending conference champs, they can grab a veteran's going to come to them. They might be able to make a move. Well, Bengals had money coming out their ears. You can make money talk and say, oh, well, that the Chiefs are there, but come, we're going to get you and another guy, and we're going to draft another guy, and you're going to be blocking for Joe Burrow, and look how much more we can pay you. You can you can do that, uh, but they they didn't got Riley Rife. Yeah, he's the Riley Rife. He's place. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the primetime games, getting back to the schedule, like yes. we're, we're going to be subjected to New Orleans a lot. Five primetime games plus Thanksgiving. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be brutal. Pittsburgh a lot, five primetime games, but also Green Bay. And they're also on on Christmas. So that's good. Lots of Green Bay. Hopefully it'll be Aaron Rodgers. Uh, C. Clinton points out that if Aaron Rodgers gets traded, there is a lot of flexing coming on the Packers. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I agree. It, they stacked it that way on purpose, too. I think a lot of their games are later. Yes. There, there is a perfect storm of horrible here that happens where Roethlisberger fades the way I think we anticipate. The Jameis versus Taysom thing turns into a double knockout, and your choice is Wildcat or interceptions. And it's the Jordan Love, Blake Bortles story while Aaron Rodgers screams at production assistants at game shows. And – all of these primetime games are disastrous. And I'm kind of, I, I know that they probably maxed out on Ravens, maxed out on Chiefs. They did, they did all the Brady that's going to choke down our throat. I, I'm wondering, you know, why they chose to feature those teams more. I guess I would feature the rookie quarterbacks more. Or I would like be attacking the Browns more. Uh, I do think the Browns deserve more. Yeah. But I guess they're, they're kind of more of a running team and that's not really as exciting, but I, I mean, I love it. It's great for me, but green Bay is Rogers and a huge fan base like Pittsburgh. Yes. I mean, that's the yes. reason why you get so much Pittsburgh is because yes. Pittsburgh has, has. Yeah. National. Um, national. You get the NFC East a lot. <laughs> right. I was trying to decide what's my favorite week of the season. You've got week. I think week Five is my favorite for the primetime games because you've got Rams Seattle. That's an actually really good Thursday night game. Yeah. Buffalo Kansas City on Sunday, and then Indianapolis Baltimore on Monday. That seems like a good collection of primetime games. The other one is Week Four because Jacksonville Cincinnati doesn't sound that exciting until you're like battle of the number one picks. Then it's like a little more exciting. Right. Pittsburgh Green Bay is the 4 p.m. Sunday game. Tampa, New England, Sunday night is just going to be colossal. Yep. And then Vegas Chargers. I almost just said Clippers like I usually do. <laughs> <laughs> Vegas, Vegas versus the Los Angeles football Clippers on Monday night. The football Clippers didn't get screwed schedule-wise this year. I think because of Justin Herbert, I think that there's more of a interest in seeing them. They're not just you know traveling to the East Coast for morning games as much anymore. Uh, I think they have a little bit more of a primetime presence. And that's one of the teams I would say, yeah, I would feature this team more uh, so that we can see this up-and-coming player uh, and see the stadium, of course, and, th- and some of the other things like that. You mentioned week five, Aaron. Uh, uh, there's also breakfast with the Jets. Oh, 9 a.m. in London on week five. Yes. yes. Jets, Falcons. 
Jets, those morning games, and I'm a morning person. So on the one hand, I, I, I like it. On the other hand, those those Sundays tend to be the like 14 hour days for me. I can't. And do having that. having me not be able to go out, maybe get a breakfast or something like that, is tricky. Especially when it's always some combination of Jaguars, Jets. Like it's never okay. You're waking up and it's going to be uh, you know Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. That's not happening. Yeah. Um, and this is good. This is going to be no- there one time. I think right. Yeah, but I think that that was played at one. I don't think that was a nine a.m. That was one of those games. Oh, okay. that was yeah, played yeah, at yeah, yeah, yeah. Nighttime in 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 Britain. Nighttime in Britain. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. so so that will that will start out like you know, and then you know by by three forty five, I'm sort of fatigued of football because I had to try and th- think of interesting things to say about Matt Ryan for the fourteenth consecutive year. Co the legend says, to be honest, I'm still surprised that Chicago gets so many games unless the NFL is anticipating a lot of Justin Fields this season. I think it's the same reason we keep getting the NFC East. It's just the size. Yeah. It's the size of the fan base. Yeah. yeah. Chicago yeah, is still the third biggest city in America. Right. And they have a pretty good region around them. They do have some national juice. I think Fields is part of that. Uh, I mean, I don't love it. And again, that seems to be a steady diet of, you know, 14 to 10, 16 to 13 slugfest. They're not even like really great defensive games, but it's like everybody's just sort of, uh, you know, grinding. Like uh, we're but, still getting a lot of the NFC East on Sunday and Monday night football, even though that looks like a bad division. Like there's Giants Washington on Thursday night early. There's a Philadelphia Dallas on Monday night early. Yeah. Yeah. When I look at a schedule, I, I, I go right to when do the Eagles play uh, a night game, in part because I try, to, I try to go to the local brew pub where I can watch six TVs at once at one o'clock. And if the Eagles are on at one o'clock, which they are almost every week this year, most of the TVs are tuned to the Eagles. I have to beg, borrow, steal. Like, I need to, I need to cover this other game. I need to, to watch this other game and this other game. So I looked at week three, and yeah, that, that's Eagles-Cowboys. I'm thinking the Cowboys are going to romp in that game. But then I look at the one o'clocks and, and there's, you know, there's some interesting stuff there. It's like Colts at Titans is a good game. And, you know, Philly fans, we get our dose of Carson. We get our dose of Carson at one o'clock on week three, our, Car- our carcinogenics. I wonder if they're uh, going to go out of the way. There. I wonder if they're going to go out of their way to show Indianapolis in, in Philadelphia, show Colts games in Philadelphia this year, uh, the way they go out of their way like to show the, West, like the in TV North game. Dakota. Yeah. I think we may have lost rivers. So yes. Hopefully he calls back in. Oh no. We had a, we had a oh, little no. disconnect. They, they may well do that. What you were saying, they may well do that. That is the, the CBS game. And I, normally I think the, the the TV game would be the Steelers because they think Philadelphia is a suburb of Pittsburgh. And all the things you said, of course. That uh, Well, we still get Giants games here. I think Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay finally ended that business. But for years and years and years and years and years and years, the NFC Network sent – you know, first CBS, then Fox, put Giants games on in Boston for the six old guys who are left from mm-hmm. before 1960 when there was no team in this town and everybody right. in Boston were Giants fans and there's like six old guys that still want right. to watch the Giants and so they subjected us to the Giants constantly. Right, and it's, it is. It's like a playbook from decades ago. It's like, especially nowadays, you know, any fans our age and under, which is pretty much all the demographics at this point, uh, they want to watch the big national game. They're like, well, if the Eagles are, are not on, you better please get me the Giants so I know what's going on in the NFC. So if we, if we want that, we've got a satellite package. We, you know, we want to see the Chiefs. We want to see the Ravens, who you do sometimes get in Philly. Um, so I'm surprised that like the, the, the broadcast networks still get that. But in, in point of that, the week three when the Eagles are on Monday night, um, that's the Chiefs Chargers 1 o'clock. And that's a weird time to have the Chiefs in charge. Chargers right, that feels like that should be a 4 p.m. game. Right, yeah. but it'll be a fun, exciting matchup. It's something that I'd be looking forward to. It's like, oh, you know, I'll be able to write and talk about uh, either Herbert or Mahomes at, at, on the 1 o'clock window. How often is that going to happen? So that's how I look at the schedule, though. It's like, well, when will my home team be on prime time? Not because I'm excited about it, but because I want to write about everybody else that week. <laughs> Well, there's not going to be a lot of it this year, I'm afraid. Nope. There's not a lot nope. of Philadelphia on prime time. And, uh, I mean, the same goes for me covering New England and going to Gillette Stadium a lot. Uh, right. Most of the Gillette Stadium stuff is going to be 1 o'clock games. Mm-hmm. Although there's some that are exceptional. Obviously, the Tampa Bay game is going to be so huge in week four. Yes. Yes. That's, and that's what they talked about on the telecast last week. As you would. As you would. But, like, last night's telecast, it turned into a Brady cast. 
Yeah, I mean, they're going to cheer Brady. I don't think there's a question right. the crowd is going to cheer Brady. You would hope so. And Well, because, I mean, they, they don't like the current quarterback situation. So, <laughs> like a lot of people around here still follow Brady. There's a lot of complaints about the quarterback situation if you watch the local news. Mm. Really? I thought that they would have been like, uh, you know, we have Brady too. Let's go. Nope. I, I think people know people are not believers in Mac Jones and hmm. they feel like Cam Newton is completely toast and yeah, there's a lot is, of frustration yeah. which again it, a lot of the frustration is why did they get rid of Garoppolo when one we don't know if Garoppolo is really that good outside of San right. Francisco's scheme and two they couldn't have paid both of them like it, it's right they couldn't have done it just couldn't have right. done it it's not 1974 anymore. You can't just say, sorry, kid, here's your contract. Deal with it. Uh, you know, but, th but that's interesting. I will say, going back a spell, Eagles fans cheered Donovan McNabb coming back in because the people who can afford the tickets and are season ticket holders and are showing up are not the same people who you might get your know, midday talk radio uh, or at the back of your message board going like this. The fans in the stands will, will, be, will cheer Brady heartily. Uh, what, what's going on at some pub? 15 miles away, we, we can't speak. To What's him. interesting is they'll cheer him before the game. And I'm right. guessing that Kraft will have them put together some sort of video montage before the game so he can get a big round of applause. What happens during the game when Tampa Bay actually scores? Right. I don't know. Right. Well, that's different. That's that's the difference between cheering for your team and like, like being weird and vicious in the pregame situation. But there will be a big yeah. welcome back montage, I'm sure, in the pregame. And uh, and I'm sure that people will cheer it, and it will be very exciting. And if he does break the all-time yardage record week four, which he's on pace to do, they'll stop the game at that point. Since yeah. we, we now no longer have Brady and Breeze trading records because there is no Breeze anymore, uh, and they'll do something, and, and there'll be big cheers. Will we be able to bet the post-game interaction between Belichick and Brady? Like, oh, we'll... ooh, that that would be good. <laughs> what, what are you thinking, Rivers? What would we get? Yeah, what, what, what would what would the odds be on a hug? What, what kind of money line would you have to be to take hug? Ooh, plus one eighty. Give me plus one eighty for hug. I don't know. I, I, I'm taking yeah, handshake. Handshake. Okay. Handshake's the favorite. Handshake is the favorite. You're probably going to get like a minus. 140 on handshake. Mm -hmm. um, I would probably go plus 180 on hug. I'm taking it, um, but very brief and very broy, kind of like a arm, like that kind of. <laughs> see, uh, but that would count. See, Clinton says, "I'll never forget when they stopped a Saints game to hand Drew Brees a piece of paper after he set the passing record." <laughs> I don't remember. What, what was it? A piece of paper? Was it a card? It was more detail. I think like, it was like a certificate or something. Yeah. Yeah, it was a certificate. Even though he was going to trade it with Brady for the next whatever, like we all knew that those records were all going to be traded between the two of them back and forth. So, a certificate, <laughs> like a certificate of authenticity. <laughs> you authentically <laughs> passed for this many yards. We have Beckett. We have Beckett graded your passing yards accomplishment. It's yes. Nice. <laughs> yes, we had Eli Manning back at greatest, so you know it's safe. They should have just brought it like a satchel of money to him. Like here, here's all the back salary cap that we have to pay for next year. <laughs> the other interesting thing about the schedule is the rest. The Patriots actually got kind of screwed by the schedule makers that they have right. to face three different teams coming off the bye week, and they have 15 fewer days of rest than their opponents. Uh, Chicago Ow. has 14 fewer, Washington 13 and a half. On mm -hmm. the other side, Carolina has 12 and a half more days of rest than their opponents, and they don't face a single team coming off a bye week. So now I'm really excited about the 6 and 11. I, I, I'm sorry, I, want to st I just realized what they gave Drew Brees. It was an autographed picture of Taysom Hill. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he got for breaking the record. <laughs> I love that. Now, a lot of times, we we've never studied days of rest as a as a. Everybody has shown that it it is it is helpful. It's helpful to have more days of rest, but it but it's small. It's a small right. advantage. It would you would figure it's tiny. And the other thing is, I started trying to look for crazy travel, because I'm always on the lookout for that. Oh, the Dolphins have to go play the Seahawks, and then they have to come home 
then they have to go play the Chargers, and then they come home for one home game before they go. They'll, they'll see a lot of that this year, which which is it's encouraging. I, I don't want games to be decided by that. One thing I did notice is the Ravens at one point in this uh, in the schedule, Ravens have Browns, Steelers, Browns. Last two are on the road. Now that's that's not high travel, but like that's a heck of a of a schedule. They're the Browns, 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 Steelers, Browns, the Browns have Ravens by week. Ravens. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So the the Browns get a break in between the Ravens sandwich, and the Ravens get the Steelers. Or even if you know, if they're going to beat you up on defense. That is going to be our yes. number one right now. That is our number one projected defense. Pittsburgh's defense has been good for wow. years. Like say all you want about Roethlisberger's arm and how completely noodle it is at this point. Like mm-hmm. that defense is still going to be good, and they are still going to beat you up. Right, and it's going to be a team. They they love the physicality. They always talk about. It. They're going to be that on both sides of the ball. And when you talk about something that could that could change that division, those three teams and that weird thing, the Steelers are not really involved in all that. Their Steelers are just playing a Steelers schedule. But the idea that like a win or loss between a Ravens and and, and the uh, and and the Browns could be based on rest, a bye week versus a rough week, uh, you know, a rough stretch, et cetera. That's fascinating. Because that could change the whole complexion of that division and then balance the power in the conference. The other tremendously weird schedule thing is the NFC East, where Philadelphia ends with four straight NFC East games and Washington ends with five straight NFC East games. Like, all the NFC East games are stuffed into the last four or five games of the season. Like, it's kind of kooky. If I'm a head coach, that's great because then I can just be like, "Oh, well, you know, we're two and two and seven now, but it's okay. We've got five Gettleman. divisional games coming up. We're only zero and one in the division." <laughs> Gentlemen, saying that in December, we're running out of the division, so I don't know what you're talking about. Whoever whoever gets that, there's a there's a Thursday night game in week two, Giants at Washington, and whoever wins that gets to be one and zero in the division for like three and a half months. Gettleman circle at games. I think part of the logic is if the division turns out to be good, if they spit out an interesting team, that's lots of flex uh, flex material there. That's like the raw material. Say, oh, we can put that in prime time. And yeah, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers is hosting You Bet Your Life so we can pull them out of there, et cetera, et cetera. So that, I guess that's part of it there. Part of it is also let's just get all that gar- potential garbage into the back of the uh, – in the back of the schedule, where you know you'll have a guaranteed market because, again, Eagles fans and Giants fans are watching those teams, even though the teams stink. CO the legend says, if the NFC East turns out to be weak, then that closing stretch for the Eagles could be very important. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. think the NFC East is going to be as weak as people think it is. Because I think uh, Fitzpatrick will at least be moderate for mm-hmm. Washington, and I think Dallas is going to be really good. I agree. I think Dallas will be good. Okay, Washington will be an all-defense team. Um, and I'm trying to wrap my brain around the Giants at this point. The Eagles, I, I don't know what to tell you, Eagles fans, at this point. I, I know there's a lot of optimism around Jalen Hurts, and I try to be optimistic. I know there's excitement around Devontae Smith, and there's reason to be excited. This roster is rough. This roster is rough, and there's a lot of guys that you look at and say, it's not that rough because you remember them from four or five years ago. What? And it's a ticking clock. What were we thinking last year when we talked about how deep the Eagles roster was in the chapter in the Football Outsiders Almanac? And then in one year, it's just been just, – their depth has just been destroyed in like a year. Like what we thought was a deep roster has just been annihilated. Hey, I'll say so because I'm always, you know, whatever deep and knee deep in this team – you know, Rivers last two years, perspective, other conference, other side of the country, whatever. Did the Eagles look like a deep team or was it like this is some weird storyline? You wonder why we're, we're, we're flogging it. Yeah, mostly that second one. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, like you're seeing like Carson Wentz go Monday night football, you know, barely trying to scrape nine and seven. And you're like, this team is good. <laughs> well, they just had a lot of injuries, and so we were like, yeah. "Oh, well, if ever you know, if they could just stay healthy at like an average amount of health, but they first of all can't stay healthy right. at an average amount of health, and second, CEO the legend says, and this is true, what turned out to be possibly a deep Eagles roster turned out to be full of players that weren't as good as originally thought, highlighted yes. by Carson Wentz. I mean, yes, yes, and that's it. And there are a lot of people because I was like this team is deep and there were a lot of people not just here but bleach report this team is so deep and that's fine we were wrong i think we overrated a lot of guys i think there were a lot of guys like sydney jones 
that we looked at their scouting report from three years ago. It's like, well, once he's healthy, this is different. Yep. And there were like eight or nine of them scattered around the roster. And that's fine as long as you don't come back. And, and you know, what I saw all through this offseason, how does Howie Roseman still have a job? How does Howie Roseman? Well, he has, still has a job because, first of all, they won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Secondly, they made the playoffs two straight years. And third of all, most of us looked at this, analyzed this, and said, yeah, this is a really solid roster up until, you know, up until it all completely fell apart. So also one of the units that I think we thought was good and solid is good and solid, which is the defensive line. Yes. And that's true. And again, Brooks gets injured right off the bat. And now part of the problem you you face now three years, four years removed from the Super Bowl is like, okay, Brooks is an injury case. Kelsey's aging. Yeah, they brought in, you know, the young man from Alabama that's going to be the potential replacement there. Lane Johnson wavers between injured and doesn't seems like he would love to be on the trading block to, you know, the chiefs or whatever. So, but like each year before that, it was very reasonable to say, yeah, this is a great offensive line. This is a great offensive line. Now it's an old injury prone. Peters obviously throw into that mix used to be great offensive line, but the fact that it fell apart shouldn't be like, well, how, how dare you try to keep these guys together? I'm just glad Deshaun Jackson's going to get hurt somewhere else this year. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> please. Uh, it was, I, and it was Deshaun and Alshon. Yeah, yeah. It was like the, the injury report every week. By Thursday, it looks like they're not going to go. It's like, of course they're not going to go. Deshaun's an injury case. Alshon's enthusiasm for being here was wavering between 10 and 25% at all times. It's his relationship time. with Carson. His relationship with Carson, Carson was delightful. And, uh, you know... That that was that was the reality week after week. I, I got to say, I understand why people like the Cowboys because I liked them last year enough to be like this team go to the Super Bowl. But are we sure that Dan Quinn is actually good at his job anymore? No, because because we're not sure of that at all. I think <laughs> the expectation is that the Cowboys are going to be at best average on defense. Yeah, and every, every time I wrote any given Sunday for the last like four years, I feel like. <laughs> Hey, this is a Falcons upset win in the second half of the season. And guess what? Um, you're not going to believe it. The defense was terrible for the first month and a half. And then they suddenly <laughs> improved the average. Right. <laughs> I am, I am certain though, that Mike Nolan was terrible at his job. That I'm, I'm certain about. Yes. <laughs> That's and <I> true. Am, <laughs> and I feel very confident that of all the teams that looked at zoom meetings and virtual meetings and said, eh, F this, I'm good. We're going to the day spa. We're just going to half ass it. It was the Cowboys, and it showed on the field. So you replace Nolan with Quinn, so you go from absolutely incompetent to, and you go back to something that looks like football so that everybody in the organization doesn't like, oh, this is complete nonsense. And you should get, like, a relative improvement in that defense. And, and you replace Vander Esch uh, with the next linebacker who's, like, can't miss and is a great athlete, uh, and, but in, in Parsons. But I think Parsons is going to be an upgrade. Um, and so you do have some reasons for improvement there. Yeah. I mean, I just, all the hopes for Dallas are based on the offense. It's all based on what that offensive line should look like with the stars back, what the the quarterback huge upgrade of having Prescott back finally being able to use the three wide receivers that we all thought were so dangerous last year. Right. And the fact that the rest of the division still doesn't look that good. So it's like, if they're good, they should win it. Right. They should win a lot of 33 to 27 games. And Rivers is saying that's what we said about the Falcons for several years <laughs> under his breath. Right. Yeah. Right. But, but sometimes the Falcons will go 10 and six. So there we are. Uh, uh, see, when's, the last time, when's the last time Tyron Smith played a full season? <laughs> I think he did two uh, years ago, didn't he? Yeah, didn't he? Uh, now you got to make, make me look this up. CO the legend says, I'm still iffy on the Cowboys defense. Remember how their defense was good in 2019. What happened there? Their defense actually wasn't good in 2019. It was just average. But Simon it, Smith it played looked... 16 games in 2015. <laughs> Is that the last time he's played 16 games? He's played 13 games a year. He plays 13 pretty much constantly ever since. 13 games a year. So he'll play 13 and a half now with the schedule agreement. 13.127. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yeah, the Cowboys steel bump for three games instead of three and a half. <laughs> but yeah, the Cowboys defense wasn't strong in 2019, was it? It was no 2018. He says he meant oh. 2018. Probably, I mean, that probably is just the randomness of defense. I mean, that's the thing about defenses. I mean, there are good players there. Lawrence and Sean Lee was still really good. Was and, good at the, for a while. Yeah, yeah they had good Brandon. They Carr had good players and, in the secondary. 
you know, the problem is just defense is just really inconsistent from year to year. And so you have you'll have one good year on defense and then it'll go back to mediocre. But when you have an offense as good as Dallas's, like a mediocre defense, you're you're a pretty good team. You're, right. You know, Kansas City doesn't get more than a mediocre defense and they're the Super Bowl favorites. Right. And defense is where the Cowboys save their money. Defense is where, okay, we're going to let Chidi Awuzie go, but he's replaceable. We're going to let Byron Jones go. He's replaceable, particularly in the secondary. That's where they save their money. So right. the guys Which, that you had two years ago, and like you, you replace them and you replace them with young players. You replace them with uh, uh, Diggs's little brother last year, and it took him 10 games to figure out where he was supposed to line up. But based uh, on what we know about analytics, that's the way to do it. Have a really good offense with a really good quarterback. It will be consistent right. from year to year. Let your defense bounce around, save money on right. defense, and hope that things just work out for you. Right. I don't, know, I don't know about you guys, but I feel myself gravitating more and more towards, on defense especially, do I trust this coordinator at this point? <laughs> like, that's right. kind of what it comes down to for me. And when I look at, obviously, I'm not a Dan Quinn fan, okay? I right. think that's pretty right. clear. So that's kind of where I'm at with them. Right. And again, we'll just circle back, but how much did you trust Nolan? But uh and on that thought, then in the NFC, you trust Rivera and his staff, I'm assuming. Those would be the – that's right. the trustworthy. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, and their offense will be better this year. CEO the legend says Washington is a bl- underrated, the defense is good, and they're well coached, and they think they could be a good quarterback away from being a sleeper Super Bowl contender. Well, the problem is yep. that that good quarterback is not really walking in the door. Right. So Fitzpatrick last year was propped up by a ridiculously good performance under pressure, and that's just not consistent from year to year. Like starting and, with that play against the Raiders that was insane and impossible. <laughs> and, right. And he had uh, Football Outsiders this week uh, published a thing about adjusted interceptions, dropped interceptions, right. et cetera. And he, he, had a, he wasn't near the top of the list, but he was in the, the group players who benefited from i believe unless i've read the chart wrong yeah he had five five eight interceptions with five drops so yeah he was he was plus 1.9 percent which was a little his adjusted interceptions bigger than his regular interceptions which was a little bit bigger than average right and that's across what six starts whatever he had he he only started eight starts or something right and there's a guy with a history of interception sprees right you know, like, like that's when he that's when he loses his job. He gets his job when he um, when he talks his way back into the starting lineup <laughs> um, because that's what he does. And then he does play well for the for spurts. And then he gets an interception spurt, and everybody remembers who he is. And they go back to Jameis. They go back to Tua. They go back to. And I'm not whoever. buying that Taylor Henneke had one good game in the playoffs, and therefore he might actually be the guy now. I think it was 2017 or 2018. He had that start where he threw six picks against the Je- the card the Chiefs. Yeah, it was Jets Chiefs. That was a fun one. That, that, right. that was those are some good Todd Bowles stares into the distance. Yeah. <laughs> there were some there were some sprees. Yeah, and that was it. And he he kind of talked himself. Now again, it's not hard to talk yourself past. I'm, I apologize, folks, but like some 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 people are better getting the job than doing the job. I'd like to thank yeah, an anonymous cheerer for the 100 and the little ghost <laughs> in the chat. Appreciate it. <laughs> Also, did Tyler Henneke have a really good game in the playoffs? He did. He had a really good game in the playoffs, but that's one game. Right. And that was against the Buccaneers, right? Yes. What's funny is Tagovailoa had the opposite numbers on adjusted interceptions. Uh, Fitzpatrick had eight interceptions Mm -hmm. with five drops. Tua had five interceptions and eight drops. So he was really lucky. Wow. Wow. And near the top of that list were a couple of guys who teams are counting on. This year, who changed teams, right? Weren't Darnold and Wentz? Darnold is up there. Yep, Wentz is up there. Fitzpatrick Fitzpatrick is up there in adjusted interception rate. Trubisky, who's now the backup in Buffalo, so they're not really counting on him. But Mm -hmm. it's weird. It's weird as a Texans fan to to see the Colts trade for Carson Wentz because it's like watching them become who you used to be. (laughs) <laughs> and you're like, wow, J.J. Watt's here. But, I mean, this defense really good. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, can he avoid throwing, you know, 15 interceptions? And then you got Wentz there in Indianapolis now. And it's like, 
Am I seeing the same team all over again? <laughs> is it is this is this the Osweiler uh, or or the Fitz? Who who is who is Carson? Oh, oh, this is the Osweiler, I think. For, for just just for the sheer price they paid. I think Wentz right. is going to bounce back and be, and I think he's going to bounce back and he's going to be mediocre. Okay. <laughs> I think bouncing back to mediocrity. Yeah. Mediocrity but what, do you know what a huge step up that would be from what he was like last year? That is a big step up. Right, but it's but it's also not a step up from what the Colts had last year. In no, reverse. but but right. with the with their defense, and if Tennessee takes a step back, which uh, I will pre- pre- preview that our projections have Tennessee taking a step back, uh, Wentz being mediocre with that defense could be a division title. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely could. It and, and a first round least. loss. Like last last year, I was really optimistic about the AFC South. Like like you had. Watson growing up, you had mm-hmm. the Colts and the Titans both becoming kind of divisional players. And I feel like this year, it's more like, oh, right, it's still the AFC South. We're not <laughs> going to project this, but if Lawrence is the prospect that people thinks he is, Jacksonville yeah. could win the division. They absolutely could. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like, it's not likely, but it's it's a story that you can tell. It's it's kind of just like the, the initial luck Colts. No, I, no what, I, what I mean by it's a story that you can tell. It's like if I tell you that the Giants are going to win the division, like that's a hard story to tell. Right, like we know right. it's possible, but it yeah. doesn't sound realistic. Jacksonville, like Trevor Lawrence is as good as advertised and the AFC South is overall down. So Jacksonville wins the division. The, the narrative makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> not a big fan of the narrative. It's a, it's a, it does. I mean, you you know who will take credit for this uh, if that were to happen. So I don't even want to think about that. Uh, secondly, okay, it's it's AFC Southlandia is back. You know, it's like it's, it's this other world. It's, it's it's the Conference USA of the NFL. Yeah. But yeah, but you can say that. But I'll say I could I could create the Giants narrative where they where they win the division. Um, I. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, the other part of the Jacksonville narrative is those college coaches coming to the NFL tend to be much better in their first year before yes. they completely lose control of the locker room. Right. And that's a good one. He comes in. Everybody believes his Harry High School stuff. No one's ready for the offense. Uh, you know, Lawrence is everything we anticipate. Uh, backup t- tight end plays, catches two passes, you know, runs a wildcat <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> Um, you know, Travis Etienne does this. Yeah, you, you can see. I mean, I, I, it's a real stack up. I guess the problem is Carson has to go in the, back into the field position hard mm-hmm. uh, for that to happen. And that's a real drop off for Tennessee because I can see the way all the ways Tennessee could drop off. I just can't see them falling to the point where they're vulnerable to the Jaguars. ES, ESPN, by the way, in the biggest holes article, made me add a sentence about Tebow to uh, <laughs> write up about Jacksonville needing a tight end. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, because they, they have Chris Manhurts and, and Luke Farrell. Like that's not a talented tight end group at all. Neer right. says, "Imagine if Tebow has a good season and gets a real offer somewhere, <laughs> offer somewhere next year. What's a good season for a 33 year old who's never played the position before, though? Right? Two catches. <laughs> right. I mean, we. I already got to witness the, and I didn't want to bring the guy up, but of course we have to. You know, it's like I already witnessed the highlight montage that they dragged out of him." running options in 2011 for the Broncos. Like, like here's all the highlights and you have to kind of cobble them together. Obviously there's one big one in the playoffs and then there's a lot of nonsense. I'm not ready for the, Oh, he winds up being the, the one of the tight ends in the mix catches 11 passes for 63 yards and two touchdowns. Cause he's the, you know, he runs some kind of trick play at the goal line and we have to talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to talk about the season man hurts could have, you know, the season that, you know, every Rico gathers season. Do we have enough blocking stats? Do we have enough blocking stats to talk about the season that Chris Manhurts might have? <laughs> Listen, every James O'Shaughnessy season is worth oh, yes. is worthy of a 30-minute montage. Hey, James O'Shaughnessy, James O'Shaughnessy catches enough passes to be he's gonna he'll get a full table in football outsiders almanac. So that's right. And I've got to write his comment. I'm so thrilled. If Jacksonville goes 0 and 15, does Tebow see time at quarterback? No. Here's the problem with Jacksonville, though. Okay, I can't. so you've got, you got Joe Cullen as the defensive coordinator. He last coordinated a defense in Indiana 
<laughs> at 2000 in 2004. <laughs> wow. So that that's where I'm really having problems. It's the 32nd ranked defense DVR last year. So obviously really bad to start with. There's some kind of floor, but then you're like, how is this guy supposed to turn around? What what confidence do we have? I don't know if you know this, but the game has changed somewhat since 2004. <laughs> yeah, and from and from Indiana to the NFL, right. and that's that's some next level cronyism. And you know, one of the things I don't know if you guys saw Teddy Bridgewater's comments uh, where he was talking about the the uh, Matt Rule and the Panthers. And it's like you know we really didn't do a lot of two minute practicing and install. I did, yeah, I did see that. We didn't yeah. do a lot of goal line practicing and install, and it showed. And you can look at the. Panthers close losses and say, yeah, this team was bad at the, uh, in the red zone. It was bad at two minutes, et cetera. That's the kind of thing when the college coaches come up that they might just do totally differently there. It's like, Oh, we, we, we do that installation in April during spring games and all this other stuff where you could have this, this uh, coaching staff come in and forget the fact that the game has changed, whatever. It's like, Oh, we don't install like situationally as much as these NFL teams do because we, we did, we just do it differently in college or we did it differently in 2003 uh, in the big 10. And that's where that's where you that's where you lose to the Texans. That's where you lose the Jaguars Texans game because you didn't do a red zone defense install, and Tyrod Taylor ran wild on you with Duke Johnson running a, a you know an option. Because you ran a uh, oh, what was it James Robinson fourth down pass yes. inside the red zone because you're like that was cute that this worked against Purdue in 2005 I don't know why it doesn't work now I actually feel like it's one of the really big questions analytics that is unanswered. When you have something like red zone, where we know that it's not as that consistent from year to year, like being better in the red zone than you are overall, does that mean that you should be spending more practice time on it to beat the trend? <laughs> right. Or does that mean you should be spending less practice time on it because right. it's, gonna, it's going to regress? And I have right. no idea what the answer to that is. Right. So, and we so have I, I would recommend... Um, employing DeAndre Hopkins and, and, then, <laughs> and keeping him because it turns out that in the red zone, he's good at catching the football. You, you, Gronk is good at that too. <laughs> you should keep him too. Yeah, you should try to have a, a fun enough locker room that Gronk wants to stay on your team, I think. That would be... Uh, will the Texans ever run a Duke Judson option? They did. With him, was he a Wildcat quarterback? Um, so, so what they did was they, they handed it off to him and then they re this was in the lions game. I think they threw it backwards and on Thanksgiving and, and like Deshaun Watson was just like, dude, give me the ball. Cause literally there's guys wide open. Down the field. <laughs> <laughs> and so he just like, all right, he will for our touchdown. So they didn't so much run an option as an option happened. Right. You're right. Like, Duke Johnson now unemployed. I think, I think oh, okay. still hasn't signed anywhere yet. Is Kiki D still on the team? Kiki Cutie, yeah, he's still here. The Cutie, don't go he's break a, his heart. Last year, last year was rookie contract. <laughs> I, I I love watching him motion thirty five yards into the backfield and then change direction to like run a, a, a screen that they don't throw to him. That's <laughs> that was my favorite Bill O'Brien. I'm going to miss it. My favorite Bill O'Brien concept. He basically let's huh. take the fastest player on the field and erase him by putting him I back where like the, uh, the 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 drone that like. How's the camera sits, you know? Uh, a friend gave me uh, two autographed Bill O'Brien 8x10s, and I have no idea what to do with them. Put them on the wall, man. Auction them <laughs> off. Auction them off. Football Outsiders Auction. <laughs> okay, Football Outsiders Auction, I like. Yeah, yeah. Join, yeah, join the Twitch stream, you know, give you us know a five-star review. Give, I don't give, know give them away as a prize in the new returning loser league. There you go. Yes. Please, please come take my autographed Bill O'Brien <laughs> pictures. <laughs> you have two. You can I have two. You can spot. You can spare one. I, I can spare both of them. <laughs> so thank you to Collins and Philbo Baggins for what I think are bits. Uh, one more time. I'm going to take one more question for this week. At this point in time, is there a team that was good or decent last year that is being projected to crash and bottom out? And I'm trying to remember what the projections look like, but I think the closest thing is Tennessee. Which They're not surprising. really projected to bottom out. They're just projected to be mediocre. Right. Which is surprising because I think we keep sending emails. Are we sure about the Saints? Are we sure about the Saints? Yeah. Right now, the Saints are being, first of all, being propped up by their defense. Second of all, being propped up by the fact that I'm using Winston as the quarterback in the projections. If I was using Hill as the quarterback in the projections, the projection would look a lot different. 
and yeah, I have, I, I and see, I have no idea which is the right thing to do. I see the Bears with a low projection uh, right now, uh, and I guess they're a decent team, but it's not even that low a projection, I guess. But uh, yeah, Tennessee's down there. That that's that's significant. The you other know, one is like going to be we're just going to be completely different from everybody on Cleveland, and and I and I I hate it because I do think Cleveland's got a great roster, but. That great roster got slaughtered twice early last season, and I've gone yes. back in history looking for like reasons to believe that teams that get slaughtered early in the season are not are going to be better the next year, and and it's just right. you know all indications are use the numbers from the whole season where and where Cleveland was not as good as its record last year, even though even though God we really like all the stuff they've yeah. done with their roster. I, we're going to be lower yeah, than I, everyone on Cleveland. It's I, I, tend, I tend to agree. I don't think it's a problem. It's not a crazy low projection. Fans will see it. They'll see it in the Almanac, Football Outsiders Almanac. But, yeah, I, I can see that. This is a team I think has to take a sidestep to take its forward step. And I think this is going to be a sidestep. Like, I think Cleveland might be better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cleveland might be better than last year, but not actually have a better record than last right. year. This could be you. This could be you. You, I'm telling you, man, we're going to give that away with the loser league. The, the ultimate loser league champion will win a signed Bill O'Brien photo along with the great prizes that are yet to be uh, un unveiled. Yes. <laughs> prizes that are actually good, by the no, way. No, there are going to be. They're actually not, not I, this. This is not good. No, there are big prizes coming in the returned loser league, but I, I can't mm. give them away quite yet. All right. I'm going to wrap this up. I want to thank all of our viewers, all of our listeners uh, who listen when this gets turned into a podcast later. Uh, thanks, to everybody. Reminder, Football Outsiders Radio Hour on Twitch is Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Please come and interact with us. You can ask us questions in the chat. You can talk with us. We will take your questions every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Me joined by various Football Outsiders writers and uh yeah, let's we'll wrap it up. So join us again next week and we'll talk more football. I want to thank Rivers McCown and Mike Tanier for joining me this week. And thank everybody who watched. And we'll see you guys next week. And if you don't come and, and watch this, uh, Jack Easterby will replace you with Jaleel Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> or, or your cat, which is doing some strange stuff in the background, my friend. We need to get Rivers' cat in the background of every episode, I think. I'm for it. Rosie's for it as well. All right. <laughs> Playing safety, Rosie. Okay. <laughs> Bye, all.